0: Welcome back to Create Space, a podcast that finds joy in the art of storytelling. This is episode nine, and it's the final episode in February. So that means the Create Space podcast is officially two months old, which is so exciting. And throughout this time, I have felt so alive and so energized, and I've really been enjoying the entire creative process so much. Which is crazy, for the amount of time that I considered making this podcast and the amount of time and just the sheer amount of energy I spent talking myself out of it, and then back into it, and then back out of it, and I wondered if anybody would even wanna listen, would anybody care, would I feel silly, is it embarrassing to even try? And for all of those feelings and thoughts, I am so thankful that I finally just let those unhelpful thoughts go because with every single interview I've done, every recording session, every published episode, every script I've written, every listener comment, I honestly have just felt more and more content in my decision to do this and my decision to make, create space. So thank you for being a part of this with me. We have a really incredible guest today, and I can't wait to tell you about her. But first, I want to do a little recap of what's been going on with Create Space. So I've had some wonderful reviews posted on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I've received a few text messages, and we even got our first voice message sent to the show from a listener. So I thought I would just take a moment to celebrate that for one and to share some of that with you. So on apple Podcasts, you have the option to rate and or review any show that you'd like and it's just a really great way to support your favorite podcasters and help boost the shows that you love just a little bit in apple's ratings and search algorithm and we've received a few reviews over the past two months and so i wanted to read you some of them because they're really encouraging to me and i love them so one said Create Space highlights unique and captivating stories that always leave you eager for more. I love listening while gaming and hanging out with my dog. Another one said, What a gem. We all have a story to tell and an opportunity to inspire those who listen. And one last comment wrote, Jessica is approachable and authentic. Great space for storytelling fans. Keep them coming. And keep them coming. I will. So thank you to those who have rated or reviewed the show so far. I really appreciate it. It's been two months of excitement. And and actually, I've got one more fun bit of feedback I want to share with you. So after episode six, which if you remember, was titled Getting in the Groove, and it featured my five-year-old daughter now she's five at the time she was four um, and we asked people to share with us at the end of the episode we said let us know how you get in the groove and we received our first ever voice message to the show I was so excited to see it come through my email so the message is from my wonderful friend Martina who listens to every single episode and she has just been like an incredible support to me as I've gone through the launch of this podcast she's also a GTA or graduate teaching assistant, uh, on campus. And she has shared my episodes with her students, which of course I never like asked her to do or expected her to do, but she just told me she found value in some of them and she wanted to share them. And literally she's never missed an opportunity to let me know that, um, you know, she's enjoyed the show to let me know her thoughts on any given episode. And it's really people like Martina that have made this process so much fun. And I'm really, really thankful for her. So I thought I would share Martina's voice message with all of you. So here it is.
1: Hello, Eliza. Hello, Jessica. I am Martina. And by the way, I love the episode. And I think now I'd really know how to get in the groove much better. But before I knew better, I kind of did similar things. I also love to put, I usually, do, you know, I do sing, but I sing along, so it's not my real songs. I didn't write them, but I like to put some music on and just, you know, sing along with the songs and dance around the house as I clean. Eliza, you're right. It makes cleaning so much better. Now, Other ways that it makes me, that I get into groove is just whenever more, you know, it's not just me singing. If I have somebody else that sings with me and we're all happy, that really gets me in the groove because we're all happy. We're all singing the same song. But I have to add some of the practices that you mentioned because now I know how to write a song, too. So I will start doing that. But thank you for sharing that amazing wisdom and I'm very excited to hear more about it later on in life. <laughs> Have a good day.
0: Thank you again Martina for both listening, for always listening to every episode and for sending us that sweet message. I also shared it with Eliza and she really just loved it that someone listened to her episode as she calls it her podcast and took the time to to send something back to her. Now, if you don't know, the voice message app that I use is a website called SpeakPipe, and there's a link to it in the show notes of every episode. And if you just click on that link, it lets you record a 90-second or less voice message uh, straight from your phone or straight from your computer. So on some episodes, I've asked... Uh, specific questions or, or posed you know, specific asks like what helps you get in the groove. Um, but you can also just send a voice message anytime you'd like about anything. So jump in there, send me something. Let me know what's on your mind. I would love to play it on a future episode. Also, last thing, just this past week, I had a student from the Sunflower, our WSU campus newspaper, um, asked to interview me about Create Space. And her name is Piper, and she wrote this delightful article about the show and my journey. And it was so much fun. Uh, And I'm really grateful to her for being willing to interview me. It was so much fun to get to know her. Um, She's just a cool student, awesome writer. Um, And I will also link that article in the show notes page if you want to give it a read. Now, over the last two months, I've gotten a bit more involved in the greater kind of podcasting community. So I've always liked to listen to podcasts here and there, but I've expanded some of the shows that I regularly listen to. Um, You know, Some of the shows I listen to are bigger name shows, but a lot of them are just small creators like myself who have great content and and solid production value. So I thought I would share a bit about what I've been listening to, um, just in case y'all need some new podcast recommendations. Now, the first show is a show called Stories That Wow, hosted by Sarah Cross, and I actually interviewed Sarah in episode two. So uh, check that out if you haven't, and you can hear all about her podcast and her philosophy about storytelling. And then go on over and subscribe to Stories That Wow. She and I have really similar passions, and she talks about story in in a really innovative way that I think is fascinating. So there's actually one episode of hers that I particularly enjoyed. Uh, She Launched it at the end of December 2022, and she interviewed Catherine Switzer, who was actually the very first woman to ever officially run the Boston Marathon. And it's just inspiring and fascinating and hopeful and all of the things. (laughs) Now, the second show that I listen to very regularly is called Untethered with Jen Liss. Let me tell you about Jen. She actually went to school here at Wichita State. And about a year and a half ago, I think it was about a year and a half ago, our department named her one of our one to watch alumni. So that's an honor that we give out every year to graduates from the Elliott School who are doing amazing things and who we know will inspire current students. So, Jen and my time at the Elliott School didn't overlap. Um, so I originally met her through that honor when she was, you know, brought back to campus, which we brought her back virtually, um, cause she didn't live locally, but, uh, I met her through that, you know, on a zoom call, but it wasn't until a few months later after that award ceremony thing had taken place. And I ran into her again, uh, virtually <laughs> this time on a podcasting group on social media. And I was like, Hey, I met you. And at the time, I was in the process of developing Create Space. And so I hadn't launched it yet. And Jen ended up helping guide me and inspire me. And I became an avid repeat listener of her podcast, which again is called Untethered. And my main reason to recommend Untethered and what keeps me coming back for every episode is her energy. She has this energy that pulls you in and it makes you want to take risks, and it makes you want to explore your own creativity, and it makes you proud to just be who you are right now. And I always feel energized and refreshed after listening to any episode that she has. And the final show I want to highlight today is uh, a show called Tao of Po, and this podcast is post is hosted by Po Hong Yu. She's a mystic, a spiritual guide, a medicine woman, and a somatic energy healer. So when I tell you that I could listen to Po talk for hours on end, I mean that. She has this kind of like calming tone to her voice, and she exudes this sort of best friend energy. So she leads with a ton of you know just valuable information about spiritual practices and awakening and healing and embodiment, divine transmission, all of these things. And then she combines that with her own relevant life experiences. And she's just the best storyteller. Like her podcast and her work in general is rooted in Taoism with a focus on the balance between yin and yang. And it's just so cool to hear her talk about the things that she's been through, the things that she learned from um, her father and her mother, and how it all has made her who she is. And now I will give one content warning that she does, uh, her work focuses heavily on sexuality and also does not shy away from explicit language. So just be aware of that before you listen. Um, I love it, but I did want to share that caution about her content. So links to all three of those podcasts, so Stories That Wow, Untethered, and Dao of Poe are all linked in the show notes page, as well as each podcast host's respective websites and Instagram handles are all linked there for you, so definitely check them out. Now, let's get into it. Let's get to the reason we are all gathered here today. On today's episode, I interviewed my dear friend, Stacey Keel. She was my roommate in college. She was a bridesmaid in my wedding. I mean, she has been around for so many seasons of my life. And in the past five-ish years, I believe, she has embarked on a really cool career and life journey that I want you guys to hear about. So, she runs her own business as an intuitive human design guide. And she is also a trauma informed, certified strategic interventionist life coach. So, I'm gonna let her explain what human design is and what all of that means. But first, let me explain why I wanted to have her on Create Space. So, Create Space is about storytelling, right? Well, how much of our lives is spent trying to unravel and discover our own stories? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a sucker for any tool or modality that's going to help me understand who I am and help me to start to deconstruct Societal conditioning and get to the foundation of me, right? The true essence of how I want to show up in the world. So, whether that's a personality test or um, traditional talk therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, a spiritual practice, somatic work, uh, the Enneagram, you know, or in this case, of course, human design. All of these are tools that can help us to write our own narratives for ourselves. We don't have to rely on what the world tells us we are and what society thinks we should be. So the work that Stacy does through human design helps to shed these layers of conditioning and get back in touch with your true essence, right? Your soul, your inner soul. Now, I didn't want to do a podcast about Stacy without actually experiencing her work for myself. So before we recorded this, I signed up for a single human design reading session with her. And then subsequently, I actually ended up signing up for a larger session package because I was really intrigued by what I was learning and I wanted to keep going. And so I'm curious to see. I think a lot of you will feel the same way that I do when you get to hear um, what Stacy has to say. So let's meet the amazing woman herself, Stacey Keel. Okay. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Miss Stacy Keel to the show today. Stacy, thank you for being here. It is my absolute pleasure. And Stacy, you and I have known each other for a long, long time, but the stuff we're talking about today is stuff that I don't know a lot about. So you're going to teach me a lot. I think you're going to teach our listeners a lot. So can you first just simply tell us what the heck is human design? Where does it come from? What's what's the deal
2: with it? Yes. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA rooted in ancient wisdom and science. It is a tool to help us uncover our most authentic selves through learning our energetic blueprint of how we are designed to show up. So it's basically a modality that helps us build the lives that we want to be living as opposed to the lives we have taught to live, or we feel like we should.
0: Who started human design? Like, how long has it been around? What's where did the practice itself come from? So,
2: (laughs) for all of our spiritual wooers out there, it was conceived in Abiza, Spain. Oh, Oh, gotcha. Abiza Abiza. Um, by a man who now goes by Ra Uruhu. Basically, he got this divine download of what human design is. And there is a story that says that, you know, he spent a certain amount of time kind of holed up where he got all of these downloads and he wrote it all out. But basically, um, yeah, it was all kind of a divine download. Interesting.
0: Um, wh- how did you learn about human design? Where did it, when did it first come up in your world?
2: So I feel like I was led to human design because I discovered human design after I was diagnosed with Uh, I have a chronic illness called endometriosis. So all of my chronic illness and my human design stuff is kind of deeply intertwined. Um, After I had my first endometriosis excision surgery, I just had my second, unfortunately, but after my first one in 2020, I was looking for a community and I found an endo coach. Her name is Chelsea Blackburn. Um, She goes by uh, the endo babe. She has an endo babe podcast for anyone out there who might be struggling. (laughs) But basically I found her on Instagram and she was hosting a weekend retreat to kind of connect with other endo warriors, learn more about your disease, just kind of learn how to handle it better because it is chronic. So once you're, you know, there's no cure for endo. So I went to this virtual, virtual retreat and in it, she was teaching a touch of human design and I had never heard of it. And I thought, Okay interesting. And then I downloaded my own chart. And once I learned just a tiny bit about it, I was all in, which is par for the course for my energy type because projectors, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, um, love how people work and systems to help us understand people. So once I learned that all of my uh, stars aligned, I guess I will say, because I had my life coach certification. I got that in 2017 and I had no idea how to build a business. I had no idea what to do with it. And then once I learned about human design, it kind of all clicked. So now I use my life coaching certification in tandem with my human design certification, and that is how I um, run my coaching business. That's that leads me into the the next
0: question, which is how the business part came about and or. What those offerings look like since you do have kind of a multiple um, faceted approach to your coaching? Like, what if someone says, What's your business? Like, what do you say
2: exactly? So, I say I am an authenticity coach, first and foremost. I'm an authenticity coach and an intuitive human design reader. So, my first offer is always human design. And then I let my clients know, I offer single sessions, I offer packages, I offer partnership sessions, all kinds of offers, but I let them know that everything I teach through human design is also supported by the foundation of strategic intervention, which is my life coaching certification. So I am trauma informed. I have this life coach certification that helps me really support my clients through different strategies while learning their energetic DNA.
0: Okay, so two phrases in there that I don't really know a lot about, so maybe listeners don't either. So first, we've talked about this trauma-informed thing. That's an actual like certification, basically, you know, sort of a a thing, a badge, whatever. You had training for it. What does that mean to be trauma-informed and how does that maybe make you different from other people in the human design or life coaching realm?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Being trauma-informed basically just means that I view everything through a lens of trauma. No matter if we've had small t trauma, which are just you know tiny things in our childhood that influence who we are today, or big T trauma, which are you know big life events, uh, complex traumas, things like that, everyone is coming from a place of a trauma response. And right. when you aren't trauma-informed, this is why I tell, everyone in this space of who you work with is really important because if you're working with somebody who is not coming from a trauma informed lens, it can be so much more harmful and damaging, um, when they tell you something or, you know, even the, the phrase victim mindset can really trigger somebody, um, being like, this is my fault, right? Those kinds of things, just like very nuanced, phrases, very nuanced ways of supporting that help nurture and don't continue continue the cycle
0: of damage. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it makes me think of in the couple of times that you and I have met about like my own human design, we've talked about and broken down like, you know, what types of things am I doing based on my natural human design or my natural energetic DNA and which things might be trauma responses, which things might be societal conditioning. So I feel like, and I think it's what's turned me off sometimes of like life coaching and all that is because like you said, it's Mm -hmm. completely unregulated. So there's people Mm -hmm. out here doing work they probably shouldn't be doing. And what interested me about you is that you have the trauma informed, um, you know, coaching you have like The research i can tell the research is there and like you you know you're coming from a place that's different than you know like i had a somebody random spam me on instagram that was asking me to send a picture of my palm so she could read my palm and i was like i don't know who you are this is weird so you know there's everything (laughs) there's everything from that side to what you're doing and there's a very big difference in those things yeah Um, The other phrase you use that I don't really know what it means is strategic intervention. What is that? Yes. So strategic
2: intervention is the technical title of my life coach certification. Ah. So I have a core 100 uh, life coach certification through the school of Robbins, Madonna's strategic intervention is all about um neuro-linguistic programming techniques it's basically getting results super quickly by interrupting patterns and using NLP practices to really further a client's growth cool we're all dying to know what is your energetic
0: DNA what's your profile how do you show up in the world according to human design
2: yeah so when I learned my human design my entire life changed I can tell you that I lived previously. So I am now back in Austin, Texas, where I was born and raised. All my family is here, but I spent the previous 10 years living in New York city. And as we know, New York city is a lot (laughs) and it's the city that never sleeps. And the way I showed up in New York was in the hustle mindset, right? I worked, gosh, I don't know, six jobs at a time. Sometimes, you know, (laughs) trying to piece together rent and bills. And I Oh, for those listening, I have my music theater degree from WSU. Yeah, go (laughs) shoppers. Amazing. Changed my life, loved my time at WSU, for sure, highly recommend. So that's why I moved to New York City in the first place. But as I lived that decade in the city that never sleeps, I started to get sick. And I was diagnosed with thyroid autoimmune um, towards the end of 2019. And then I was diagnosed with endometriosis, another chronic illness that I talked about before in 2020. And I highly believe that my chronic illness was influenced in the way I was pushing myself to show up in New York. So when I relocated back down to Austin and I learned my human design, everything changed. I was operating as the energy type of a generator that we have in human design. Generators make up 70% of the population. They are our divine doers. They are the energizer bunnies. They have this beautiful sacral energy that helps them do and achieve in a very sustainable way. My energy type is what we call a projector. Projectors are not doers. Projectors have the gift of sight. We can see farther down the timeline than any other energy type. We are here to help make other people's energy more efficient. We need more rest. We need time to be alone. We need that space to be. (laughs) And I was not doing that in New York and I was pushing, 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 until I could not push anymore. And my body was manifesting physical illness through it. So now that I have the space, to really live my energetic DNA as a projector, it has become so much more joyful. My life has become so much easier in ways uh, we like to call, uh, we like to talk about flow state in human design, which is where you know things come to us easily and we're feeling very aligned and just moving through life in in a more joyful, easier way. And I for sure believe that learning my human design has completely revolutionized my life which hi is why i teach it in my business (laughs) yeah absolutely
0: and you said i'm trying to remember exactly how you said it but that you take other people's energy and do what it oh and make it more efficient and make it more efficient that's what you said in that sentence is like oh yeah that's your coaching business like that you teach people about their energy and how to make it more efficient how to make it work for them
2: I believe human design is about really shedding the layers of, again, who we've been taught to be so we can get to the root of who we are. And when we get to the root of who we are, we move in ways that feel good to us and not the ways that society, our parents, our environment, our friends, right? Everyone have influenced us how to move through life, right? So often, I think we try to show up like everyone else. And that can cause a lot of tension and resistance in our lives. And we think, why isn't this working for me? Why can't I overcome this? Why is it so easy for this person and not me, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we start to create narratives about ourselves of I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. Um, I'm not meant for this. You know, I'm broke. Right. Whatever it is, all of these stories we tell ourselves are not true. And it just takes the awareness step and the time to learn your energetic DNA so you can really start learning how you are designed to achieve greatness in your own life. It's interesting. It's making me think of like when we first
0: met, well, I remember the night before, a couple of days before our first session, you had texted me. And you had said, you know, I looked up your energy type just because I wanted to to know ahead of time before we meet. And I'm blown away. It's not what I expected. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I remember when you told me, you know, that I was a manifester, which, again, won't necessarily mean a ton to people on the podcast right now. But as I learned about what that was, my first thought was, no, I'm not like not in the sense mm-hmm. of I didn't see myself in it, but more I didn't want to see myself in it um and now as we've gotten a little more into it and talked more about it i can see that i wanted to be a generator because like you mm-hmm. said 70 percent of the population is generators they're doers they're you know they have endless amounts of energy and so i my my instinct said and of course I, you know i knew what all the profiles were before going in and i thought i'm going to be a generator that's totally what i'm going to be and then i realized no the generator is what i feel like i should be but mm-hmm. I am and it's taken. Yeah. I mean you know it's taken a couple of weeks for me to settle into the fact that I am a manifester and even now sometimes I'm like <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that but and it feels more I don't know it's hard to explain were, were you mm-hmm. so that reaction that I had to finding out my type what was your reaction when you found out yours did you feel like yes this makes sense did you have any resistance to it like I did I was so relieved
2: really <laughs> how so <laughs> because I knew that it wasn't a generator. Like I knew pushing and hustling and going and doing and like all of that did not feel good to me. And it, it burnt me out and it made me feel bitter. And it made me feel like, again, like something's wrong with me because everyone around me is, you know, go, go, going, and it doesn't seem to bother them. And I, Need so much more rest, and I don't have the energy to go out at this hour, or I just want to stay home, or you know, like I've always been the person in my friend groups. I think who people come to for advice to they come to to listen, mm-hmm. and when I learned that that was totally in align with my human design, I was like, God, it take me so long to find this. Yes. <laughs> You know, I wish I I have a client who told me once they should teach this in schools. Yeah. Because it's so, so helpful in how to just exist in a better way,
0: (laughs) you know? Yeah. So do you have, speaking of of your clients and such, do you have any um, stories or examples? I know you can't like share specific stories and names and all of that, but Mm. are there any kind of examples of ways that your clients have shifted how they show up in life based on what they've learned from you
2: mm, yeah absolutely i have a lot of manifestor clients just like you really are. um mm-hmm. yes absolutely for anyone listening a manifestor is also not a doer manifestors are here to act on their urges and then delegate the work <laughs> so jessica is not meant to have the urge see it through and do all the little bitty steps you're not meant to do and see it through. You're meant to have the urge, to have the idea, the inspiration and say, I'm the captain of the ship. I'm going this way. Who's coming with me and helping me?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And so I know for a fact, a lot of my female manifestors have a hard time with their manifestor design, because it requires you to be polarizing. It requires you to show up in your power. And so often women are conditioned to be small. Yeah, you know, we're we're starting to work a little bit more through that in today's age, but it's still very, very prominent, you know, Um, and so that has been huge for a lot of my manifesto clients of just being like, I'm getting better at not being the people pleaser, right? I'm getting better at informing what I want to do and having people support me in that way. And they're less angry and they're less exhausted and they have more energy to put towards their creative pursuits, their passions, instead of spending all of their amazing, incredible finite energy, doing right. and <laughs> doing all of like the little tasks that they don't want to be doing.
0: So was my response now, knowing that you have worked with several manifestors mm-hmm. f- specifically female manifestors mm-hmm. was my response and kind of my feeling of resistance was that, have you seen that before?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Really? Yeah. Super common. Yeah. Super common. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. As a blanket rule for any energy type and for anyone listening, Get rid of the word should. Yeah. It is naughty. We don't like it. (laughs) Right. We want to do the things that we want to be doing. You know, that's what we want to lead from an energetic response. Right. And so many generators who learn that get the permission to do what they want to be a little bit selfish, which is such, you know, a hot button word Mm -hmm. for a lot of, but I know that that has changed the lives of so many generator clients of just having that permission to wake up and do what they want to be doing as opposed to what they should. Yeah. You know, I'm going to
0: go off, go off the rails here and talk about something else a little bit, but I'm thinking about, us in you know core millennial generation right like i as Mm -hmm. as time goes on i'm learning that i am like the literal archetype of a millennial it's just it is who i am (laughs) but what you said about like selfish is kind of a you know to us is a word that makes us kind of bristle and um and i think that in my adulthood i have had to come to terms with things like what were we, what were we raised on? Like be humble, be um, selfless, be, you know, everything was, was be about other people. Don't brag, don't do this. And now we're seeing this shift, particularly in us millennials that are now in our thirties of being like, okay, it's good to take care of other people, but Hey, I'm, I'm still here and I can take care of myself. And I don't, always have to be humble. There's some good things about me too. Like I could also, you know, be proud of who I am and like who I am. And it sounds like coming into your own and knowing your human design and your energetic DNA is kind of a part of that, of just owning what you are instead of saying, well, maybe I should be something else or maybe what someone mm-hmm. else is, is better or different. I don't know. That's like I say, that was a tangent, but does that resonate? Does that sound related to you? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we all kind of come from the generation of if you just work hard, things will happen. For right. You. And now we're seeing in this day and age that so that's not necessarily true, <laughs> you know, and so everything we were raised on, you know, that we were told and taught that if we just do this, then we'll get this is seemingly a lie and so i think millennials are like well then what do i do right you know that's why i have a lot of millennial clients a lot mostly (laughs) millennial clients who are like i can't do this anymore i can't live this way i'm so burnt out like everyone is right everyone's at threat level burnout right now Mm -hmm. they're like i'm frustrated nothing makes sense i'm not making enough money it's hard to just exist in this world what do i do yeah and then they find me in human design and they say there has to be a better way to move through life. And I think it can be so eye opening for a lot of people to be like, "Oh, this is a breath of fresh air. I can work this way that I've always felt organically, but I never had permission to to really let out." Right. You know? I think permission is really huge for the millennial generation. Yes. Um and the validation of, no, there's a different way. So I know I totally resonate with that.
0: What about, um, let's talk for a minute about relationships mm-hmm. and how how understanding your own you know energetic DNA, but also that of your partner or your boss or your children, how does that work? And how have you seen your relationships shift or change based on that? Oh,
2: I could talk about this all day. Do we have five hours? I figured. <laughs> i am so passionate about human design and relationships because it takes that conditioning factor like a hundredfold right so often we say oh well, my parents conditioned me to believe this and act this way or my environment told me that this is the way forward right it's the same in relationships no matter who you are in relationship with we're conditioning each other right now right, right. And so it's so important to learn your partners Your mom, your dad, your kids, your coworkers, whoever, because it teaches you how to work with the other partner, right? The other person instead of against them, right? We so often want to assume that the way we move through life is how everyone moves through life. The way we make decisions is how everyone should make decisions, right? We can take that as an example, right? In human design, the way we are designed to make decisions is called our authority. This is part of what I like to refer to as our big three in human design, just like in astrology. If we have anyone here who loves astrology, our big three are the sun, moon, and rising. In human design, I like to refer to our big three as our energy type, projector, manifester, how you're designed to show up in the world, your strategy, how you are designed to create aligned opportunities for yourself, and your authority, which is how you're designed to make decisions. Now, this is so important because If you are in a relationship with somebody who needs more time to make decisions, right? This is what we call an emotional authority. You need to find emotional clarity before making the decision. Well then you're going to constantly be like, you need to take some time. You're acting too impulsive, right? Like, no, this is completely out of the realm of possibility. You're being crazy, right? If your partner has an impulsive, authority a sacral which is gut feeling uh splenic which is your intuition right then you're designed to be impulsive and so then that partner may be like you take too much time to make decisions when in reality both are correct you just have to learn how to honor the other one okay right? so for example yeah. i got married in september and hey yeah, you did i can't say my I have an impulsive authority. I have a splenic authority intuition. My husband has a sacral authority, which is all about gut feeling also impulsive, which is amazing
0: because we
2: were shopping for vendors, right? For example, our uh, venue, we already knew, right? We walked into this venue. I looked at him and I said, yes, this is it. How do you feel? he said, yes, this is it. And we knew impulsively that we could just sign the contract, pay the deposit and we're done. But my mom was like, this is too fast. You have to look at other venues. What if there's a better option out there? And so we knew that being impulsive was the way to go. And we already knew that this was our venue, but you know, secretly we're like, okay, we'll look at a couple more just to play everyone else. But that's where the magic happens in knowing how your partner works. Right. Just like a generator being in relationship with a manifestor right? Mm -hmm. Like you both show up completely differently and a manifestor is not designed to keep up with their generator partner. They need more rest. It's not that they're lazy, which is how maybe a generator partner wants to view their manifestor counterpart. It's just that you need more rest because you're here to be the captain, right? Without that awareness, we become resentful, we become angry, we become frustrated with our partner. And we say, why can't you just behave this way? Right. Instead of saying, "Okay, I understand that we're different and I'm going to work hard to honor your energy in our partnership.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You were telling that story about the wedding. And it makes me think of that I learned from through you that I'm an emotional authority, so I need time to process things. And I will say that I have leaned towards impulsive decisions um, and it doesn't always serve me well. So, whereas I was like, oh, that's surprising. I always thought of myself as impulsive. I went, yeah, but it's not always a good thing. But I have a similar story in that it has to do with my wedding planning, which of course was God, almost 13 years ago now, oh, wow. um, which is crazy, I know. Um, but I remember we went wedding dress shopping and I tried on a dress. It was like one of the first dresses I tried on. And I remember I had this feeling of like, I think this is the dress. This is going to be the dress. And it was to the point that I was thinking about like going ahead and doing it. And then I can't remember if someone like if my mom or if somebody said I shouldn't or if maybe I just had a gut feeling that I shouldn't do it. I don't remember. But somehow or the other I was like, well, let's go try on some other things. And then more than likely I'll come back and I'll get this dress. Um, so kind of like what you said about the venue, but then I looked at a few other places and I ended up finding a different dress that I loved somewhere else. And then when I went back and looked at that first one, I was like, what did I see in this one? Like, mm-hmm. it's not even as great as I thought. So it's interesting how your authority, which I already forgot what you said it was. Spl- mm-hmm. splenic
2: authority mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Served you well. And the, and the impulse was correct. And for me, I had the impulse, but once I had more clarity of thought and, you know, had kind of gone through the process, it wasn't correct. Mm. So I don't know. I just find that kind of fascinating. Yeah. Probably if I'd have known that I would have had, like, I would have a lot less random Amazon purchases in my house, like way less impulse (laughs) buys. My gut steers me wrong more often (sighs) than I like to
2: admit. Kind of find that emotional clarity before you click add to cart. (laughs) I know. Yes.
0: Yes, it's true. Could you tell us like what other tools or modalities or um, things that you do in your life to help you stay in a flow state besides human design, like the woo woo things or, you know, whatever, like I'm kind of into I, You just do interesting things. So what else do you do in your life? What other things keep you awesome?
2: Keep <laughs> me awesome. I like that phrase. Um, yeah. Let's see. I love my Oracle cards. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. For anyone who is into tarot or Oracle cards. I love that this keeps me grounded. Um, I used to have a much better practice of waking up every day, pulling a card and journaling. <laughs> but as we've discussed, I am a non energy type. And so the way my routines work, right? Another reason why learning your hu- human design is so important because I know that like sticking to daily routines can be very hard for me. So I practice more compassion and grace for myself when I don't do it at the same time every day, which is, right. you know, I can get really down on myself, but then I return to my chart and I say, Hey, no, you're doing great. This is not how you're designed. Right. But I like to uh, set an intention and pull an Oracle card. um, See what comes through for me. Um, I like nervous system regulation exercises, like deep belly breaths help me stay um, really centered, um, going outside, just spending time in nature. Really helps. Um, I also pole dance. (laughs) Yes. I was hoping you'd mention that, Um, which is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, It's really helped me connect to my body with chronic illness, which can be very difficult and very challenging. It's helped me take my ownership of my body back, the ownership of my sexuality back. Um, Talk about conditioning, right? Right. How that can be really, really hard. For people to show up in that way, um, it's amazing. Um, so that's huge. Dance, ecstatic dance, pole dancing, um, and music too. You know, a lot of times in our human design, we are attuned to acoustics, whether it's your sacral authority or it's your channels or whatever comes through. Um, music is a big part of staying in flow state you know, no matter what the music is, whether it is, you know, vibrational music, uh, whether it's frequency, tones, um, or just popular music that really excites you. I love that too. Yeah. Which, I mean, now that I th- think
0: about it, I mean, dance and music has been a part of your life since you were <laughs> tiny, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Because when did you start dancing? I actually started dancing when I was like 11, I think. Okay.
0: I was... Because your, your yeah. high school was a was a
2: performing arts high school, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was on my drill team for anyone who knows drill. <laughs> that's right, that's right, okay. Yes, so it's always been a huge part. And and when I was in New York, I kind of lost touch with that part of myself. As ironic as that sounds, you'd think you'd be dancing even more when you're trying to pursue Uh, a theater career. But as we know, New York's very expensive. And so is dance classes. And you start to kind of take away these things that you once really loved, just to be able to eat, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so being able to reconnect with those loves, um, inner child work, we've talked a lot about, you know, connecting with your inner child and making sure that they're nourished, and reparenting ourselves in those ways is just completely revolutionary um, in a healing journey and just trying to stay in flow and trying to stay aligned and trying to stay content (laughs) with where we are.
0: Yeah. So one of the final things I want to talk about, just because I think a lot of people fall into this, is the skeptics realm. You know, Mm -hmm. at our first session, we, you talked about like, are you like, you kind of asked me like, how are you feeling? Are you skeptical? And I don't honestly know that I ever was super skeptical because I kind of lean into some of this, you know, woo stuff and uh-huh. whatever. But you mentioned to me that you have worked with people who have been extremely skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the approach that you had because it wasn't like, oh, I prove them wrong. I, they know, you know.
2: So how do you approach that? Yeah, I love skeptics. (laughs) If you're skeptical, come book a session and let's chat. Um, It is not my job to convince anyone that human design is real or that it works. Um, I'm the messenger here, right? I'm the communicator. I'm the reader. I look at the chart and I um, look at you and I get the downloads, the divine downloads of uh, what needs to be said and when. That's also um, a projector's uh, gift, right? I also have a channel that's called the channel of initiation, which is where I, in my energetic superpowers, which is what I like to call our channels, like connect our energy centers. i uh, just trying to give a little bit of, you know, backstory to what all of these weird words I'm saying are, right? <laughs> the channel of initiation makes me a bridge between the physical plane and the, you know, uh, ethereal realms. So having those divine downloads, having the clairs, right? Everyone's like, "Gosh, she's such a woo-woo witch over here." Right?
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
2: Helps me be a really good coach, too, right? Um and I forgot what you asked. <laughs> skeptics, we're talking about Skeptics, skeptics, skeptics. skeptics. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I have read for a handful of skeptics and every session without a doubt, they stop and they look at me and they say, this is oddly accurate, (laughs) this feels very correct for me. Um, and a big part of what I tell my clients in sessions is that it's all about experimentation. Right. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and you can listen to what I say, your energy type, your profile, your energy centers, your authority, your strategy, all that kind of stuff. But unless you go out in the world and you start to work with it and start to shift some patterns and say, "Okay, right, I'm going to wait for the emotional clarity this time before I make the decision or I'm going to be impulsive with this decision because I have the sacral authority. Right. You will never know if it works or not. So then I'm not here to convince anyone of anything, but I would say most times people really do resonate with their energetic DNA. And a lot of times, you know, I hear my clients reflect back to me. I've always felt that about myself, but I never felt like I could use it or that that Mm -hmm. was right, or I was told it was wrong. And so I shoved it away and I hit it. And so to have the validation, again, the permission, to lean into the things that feel good, which is really what human design boils down to. So listening to our energetic response to things, right? This is how you find that golden thread through life that will lead you to the right people, places, opportunities for you. So I love a skeptic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I, like I said, I don't think I went in as a skeptic, but I did also go in thinking, well, who knows, maybe I won't jive with this. Maybe I won't connect, but pretty immediately, even though I felt some resistance, it wasn't resistance. Like this isn't me. It was resistance. Like, Oh, that's not really what I wanted to be, but I can see how it is. And we've laughed throughout our couple of times of meeting now, because there have been moments where you'll describe something to me about like my energetic DNA. And I'm like, Oh, I've had therapists say that to me in different words, but there have been several moments like that where um, we've seen connections. So, you know, I don't think Human Design is like, at least from what I've seen, it's not this crazy thing that's a hundred percent different than anything you've ever heard of. It's just a different perspective and a different way of looking at what other modalities and other, you know, things. Have also tried to explain, like everything's trying to explain who we are and why we're here, and you know all of that. Yeah. Um, and this is just another tool. And you refer, you've referred to that as this is another tool for you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. So if you are a skeptic, book a session with Stacey because I would love to see if there's anyone that doesn't get convinced by you because I don't know, not by you, but by you yes. know the whole thing by the work. <laughs> yeah, which by the way leads me to people who are listening to this will probably be like, wow, that's kind of interesting. If they want to learn more about their own human design, if they want to get connected with you, wh- how can they find you? What are the best ways to plug into to the work that you do?
2: Yeah, so you can always find me on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way. Um, my handle is at Stacy underscore Keel, S-T-A-C-Y underscore K-E-E-L-E. Through there, I have a link to all of my offers, single sessions, um, partnership sessions, duo sessions, uh, packages, all that good stuff. Um, Yeah, and you can ask me any questions you have through there. Um, Yeah, super easy, nothing super complex right now.
0: Cool, and I'll put your handle in the show notes page too so people can just click on it from there. Any last things you would like to leave us with today? Anything about human design or about your work as an authenticity coach that we haven't talked about that you'd like to make sure we do discuss.
2: Yeah. I think I want to leave everyone with um, two things, actually. Um, speaking of skeptics, right? one of my favorite phrases that my therapist mentioned to me years ago has become uh, a mantra in my life, and I speak it to every client I have, is to remain open to outcome and not attached. And I think that that is. Um, A huge way to enter into human design is to be open to what it could be and not attached to what you want it to be, you know? And the last thing I want to say is just like we've talked about in our sessions, everything about yourself that you view as wrong or bad is not. (laughs) And everything can be reframed into a beautiful gift and a strength. It's just how you learn to use it. I think that's really important to hear for some people um, that you are enough and human design can really help you embody that.
0: I love that. That's so beautiful. And that's been 90%, I feel like, of the things that we've talked about is like, Jessica, what meaning are you attaching to that? Does mm-hmm. that does does that need to have that meaning attached? Is there a judgment there that you're making? Like That is freeing to me and empowering to me to let some of that go. Yeah. And I love that that's a part of it. Well, thank you for letting me interview you. I appreciate it. The, this has been a fun day because I've gotten to spend two hours with you because we did our session first and yeah. then recorded the podcast. So we'll have to think of, see if we can think of another reason to stay on and chat with each other. But <laughs> I appreciate you very much. And um, I hope that other people do explore and, and learn from you the same way I have.
2: Mm, thank you. This was such an amazing opportunity. And your podcast is incredible. Thank you.
0: That was a special one, you guys. To get to interview someone who has literally spent so many of my formative years with me and to experience who she has grown into was so cool for me. Do you you ever have those moments where you talk to your good friends about like their job or their expertise or whatever, and you find yourself sitting there just being like, that's my friend, and you're just so incredibly proud of them? That's how I feel when listening to Stacy talk about her human design practice. I mean, listen, Stacy and I had Franzia-filled nights in college complaining about term papers and boys, and now she embodies peace and calm and contentment, and she teaches others how to do it, too. That's a huge glow-up, right? So check her out, friends. For me, my 30s so far, they're only half over, but so far... They have been a commitment to deconstructing all of the social conditioning that I have. This conditioning that quite honestly has taught me just to not like myself very much and to feel like I'm just never good enough for anything and always have me wondering what should I be doing or what's expected of me in order to be doing life in the proper way. And to be very, very honest with you, I am over that conditioning, right? I am over it. And I'll go ahead and warn you right now that this episode was really the start of a greater topic that I'm planning to hit on Create Space uh, several more times in upcoming episodes, which is that concept of radical acceptance. Acceptance of who we are, acceptance of who other people are, and acceptance of situations that we find ourselves in. So I've got a two-part episode coming up in the next few weeks that is all about shame and combating the absolute stranglehold that shame has on us as humans, especially in the creative industry, especially with storytelling. Shame has stopped so many amazing creative endeavors dead in their tracks, right? Shame almost stopped this podcast many, 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 many times. So Stacy talked with us today about getting into your own flow state, that's acceptance. That is contentment. That's being okay with exactly who you are right now in this moment. Anyways, I get myself very fired up about this stuff. So for now, what I will say is thank you for listening today. And do you have some thoughts on the topic? let me know. Leave me a voice message like Martina did. Uh, Shoot me an email. DM me on Instagram. You know all of those links are going to be in the show notes. And as always, I will catch you back here, same time, same place, next week on Create Space.